0: Talk show, you, talk to recorded live.
1: Hello and welcome, this is Denise Michaels, and today is Tuesday, September 19th, 2017. I am here with Chris Moses, and we're going to be talking about Chapter 14. Hi, Chris. Hello, Denise. <laughs> I've
0: decided that instead of like being like a, a radio show, it's almost like a dating game. I'm sitting here with Chris Moses, yeah. Keller, Texas, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just to well, my wife. I always want it
1: to sound, you know, happy
0: and um Oh, by the way, ha- have uh, you uh, – well, actually, i should ask you when you're done recording. I have a question for you, but forget it. Okay, moving yeah. on. Do
1: you have a question for me?
0: No, uh, I'll ask when you're done recording.
1: Oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay, good. So Chapter 14 is about how finesse can become more sane and humane, okay? Mm -hmm. So um, tell me more about how you feel finesse because finesse is kind of like saying things but maybe saying them in a way so they're... Uh, more palatable or received in a more pleasant way. I mean, that's
0: yeah. kind of how I think of it. I think I think that's one thing way to do it, or other other ways that you, that you see is just by putting different things out there, so that when people see them, mm-hmm. they think differently or they do stuff differently. One, one, of my, one of my favorite things that finessed when I was early in my career is at Walmart. It's mm-hmm. uh, I, was, I was talking to the pharmacy. Head of pharmacy guy at, at corporate, and I, I was talking about, oh, how how nice it is that they put those blood pressure checking machines in the stores, because then the customers can check their blood pressure, and, you, and then you can have healthy customers. And he said, mm-hmm. that's true, but that's not why we did it. They did it mm-hmm. to finesse up the employees by putting that in mm-hmm. there. Now the employees are checking their blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, now they're doing healthier things, which is then decreasing the cost of insurance to Walmart. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. And so, interesting. I, and so I, I've taken that through my whole career. And, like, for benefits, I'm always doing, like, wellness programs and fun things and 5Ks and pedometer stuff. Uh, and there's, like, the thing called now a teledoc that, that's really powerful. It saves the company money, but it also gets the answer to the employee quicker if they use the teledoc. So mm-hmm. employees are, are, are finessed and they're healthier, they're getting stuff, and they're remembering stuff, mm-hmm. remembering things better on what's important to right. them. All right.
1: I thought a good example of finesse was uh, when I wrote about in chapter nine the CEO who was asked kind of a sharp question and um, he said, "Thank you for your courage," and then answered the question. You know, yeah, I mean, and that's,
0: yeah, people people remember Darren as a CEO who is open to questions. By the way, he answered that. Right, it, the th- right. Yeah, the thing with with finesse, it could be mm-hmm. verbal, it could be visual, it could be sound. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you remember something? And you mm-hmm. you see that a lot in advertising.
1: You see
0: finesse in a lot of advertising. Well, sure. Well, if okay. you if you think of, think about co- companies, okay, name, name mm-hmm. the company. I saved a ton of my uh, car insurance. What okay, company Geico. Is that?
1: Geico. Auto Geico. Is insurance.
0: <laughs> of course, yeah, it's, it's easy. With a little okay. lizard. With a little lizard, they take put a picture of a lizard. You think, oh, Geico. You see a lizard, you think Geico. You're sitting in your backyard, and a lizard rolls on your leg. You're like. And you start talking to lizards. (laughs) And people do weird. And they've got your brain going because they finessed you.
1: Right, right. Now, see, my mom used to use the word finesse. Ernie, my husband, uses the word diplomacy. You know?
0: I'm not sure they're interchangeable, but explain that to me.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, my mom always meant finesse to mean saying things in a way so they are somewhat palatable. Right? Yep. And I think when Ernie says, you know, well be diplomatic and stuff like that, I think he means kind of the same thing. You know? Remember. Although I know for her for him, sometimes his uh level of diplomacy is, is uh inhumane, you know, it's like he just <laughs> doesn't say anything, you know. And, i got to
0: drag it out of them. But, you know, in personal relationships, we do that, right? Yeah, let's see so. what finesse is. Maybe I'm using the wrong word. All right. Definition. Skillful handling of a situation. The door maneuver. Oh, maybe that's diplomatic. You might be right. Wow, this is why I talked to you.
1: Oh,
0: I've always thought finesse was, like, making something mm-hmm. so, like, palatable and special that it would help them remember, help them come onto your side, which might be, like, diplomatic. Like, how do you get somebody over to remember your insurance company?
1: I will, yeah, see, I think of that as memorability, making it memorable, you know. Okay. Um, yeah, but I like the three Fs. So, you know, for the time being,
0: I like finesse. But, and
1: we can throw, like, diplomatic and memorable in there as well. You know, so, you know, create sort of yeah, your you, own You're definition. way more right
0: than I am. So withholding of one's higher, highest trump card in hopes mm-hmm. that a lower card. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I guess I should have looked it up. I always thought finesse <laughs> was when you're finessing somebody, you're, like, impressing them, making them oh, change their okay. mind and be happy. Right,
1: right. Well, sometimes finesse includes that, though. <laughs> yeah. You know?
0: So, anyway. How can you be diplomatic? Um, All right. So, next question. Here we go. Your your turn.
1: Finesse. Yeah. Okay. So, um, let's get into your points here. We talked about the Aerospace Corporation where you went in there and it was quiet and nobody talked and everything. And, um, you know, you've got it here as an example. You know, it says white walls and suits allow people to talk. Encourage creativity, you know. Um, I know we've talked about this thing before where they said their value was health because they realized how expensive healthcare care was, but the food in the vending machines and the cafeteria was so crappy, they didn't want to let you walk over there and yeah. brought you a salad instead. You Correct. Know? So how do you, when a culture is like so ingrained in a company like that, how do you encourage creativity and innovation and um, people to talk when they have it for many years.
0: Somebody, on that example for for um, mm-hmm. the Aerospace Corporation, somebody mm-hmm. has to take the initiative to throw something on the wall and then give, uh, that way giving permission to others to do the same thing. And then like once they start the doing that.
1: Against, throw the pocket go, against go, the wall and see if it sticks.
0: And go, go put a new kids on the block poster up. Put something on that wall. So when people walk by, they stop and they look and go, oh, that's interesting.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: It's, I, I did that when I was at Albemarle. We had white walls and a couple of pictures on, on the uh, on the wall that you probably, they probably got from Goodwill. They're horrible pictures, horrible paintings, probably, like, thrown away from somebody. So I came in the weekend with my wife and kids. And we decorated all the walls and made it look like a second-grade classroom with bulletin boards and stuff. Right. And then I then I took off for Tokyo. And that it stayed up for, for three weeks. And everybody was walking in like, wow, that's cool, that's amazing. And and other departments came to our floor to look at it and, like, just smile and talk. And it brought people out of the office. It was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the lady who was over facilities heard about it. And she called me up and wanted to talk to me in the morning. Now this is three weeks later, so I came in. I I said, "Well, I'm flying back." So I was flying back to Tokyo. The first thing I did when I landed in Baton Rouge is I went to the office. I took everything down. I threw it away, and I made it look just like it was before I put the stuff up. And then when she came in, she's like, "Oh, what's what's going on?" And I go, "I don't know. I just got in. I've been gone for three weeks." And then after about a six-hour wait, I confessed that I knew about it.
1: Huh. So, you're saying do something to kind of start like provoking conversation.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you want diplomacy, you've got to talk. If everybody's in their office or in their cubicle and they're not talking and communicating, or to start the the mind thinking or or get stuff in the mind.
1: Right, right. Okay. So, putting something on the wall, asking questions, drawing people out a little bit, things like that. that
0: I think that qualifies as finesse because you're not forcing it upon people and saying every day at 1030 we're going to come out and have a meeting and talk. And you
1: will be creative, damn it.
0: That's right. Damn it, you will You will bring your, your markers. <laughs>
1: remember that old poster? It had like a big ugly gorilla on it and it said, when I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you.
0: Yes. Yeah. It was a funny thing <laughs> that you remember that. It's memorable. Yeah. But in right. in in reality it wasn't it, it wasn't a poster <laughs> to actually beat people, but it, it got them talking, so they weren't playing their trump card and beating people. They were like, ha-ha, here's a funny thing. Now let's talk. Okay. And now we're talking sure. about it twenty years later. Sure.
1: Sure. Yeah, here we go. So anyway. Um if you were in that aerospace corporation and they hired you to go in there and um, change the culture, right? So what would be three things that you would do?
0: Three things I would do is I would uh, survey the employees. I'd have the engagement survey. Okay. Assuming that they're honest, they would provide just some insight. Mm-hmm. I would uh, communicate to the CEO. I work with his his team to get them engaged. Culture starts at the top. They've got to embrace it. Okay. And then I'd have the managers work for the employees and change that whole organization. And say, "This you've got permission. Let's do it. Here's the feedback. The worst right. engagement survey is one that you give, and then never, never get feedback on to the employees or change anything. I, I see that a lot. We're, even at the companies I've worked at, the bad managers who get bad engagement scores, they don't they, they don't want to talk to their employees because they're mad. And the good good managers talk to their employees. <laughs> funny.
1: Would would you um you know sort of in concert with the CEO, come up with sort of a cohesive message like the serve message you came yeah. up with for the Henry corporations?
0: Well, I think as a leader, you need something that people can grab onto, serve or part, is the, the two that I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Something easy to remember.
1: Easy to
0: remember. Yeah, yeah but you, we you can call anybody on my team and ask them what was the most important thing. And actually, I could show you, I could send you an engagement mm-hmm. survey that we took back in 11, I think, 2010 or 11. And it said one of the questions, what's the most important thing on this team? And they said uh, Protection actually results in timeliness. Every one my employees protection, said
1: that. Protection what?
0: Accuracy, oh, results, okay, yeah. okay. and time Right,
1: yeah. right, right.
0: Okay. Now, it, so if the Henry Company does this and they, they really do the serve stuff, they say what's the most important to the company, all the employees should say serve. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. All right. Cool. Cool beans. Well, that would be a start for the aerospace company, wouldn't it? It you
0: would know, be. Maybe some pink out. and neon paint, too, just splattered on a little.
1: And when you um, go into a corporation and you're hired or retained to mm-hmm. um, help change and improve the culture, all right, is it generally, like, well-embraced? Does it cause a shake-up in the ranks sometimes? I mean, what's yeah. often the reaction?
0: It, it causes a shake-up. Always causes a shake-up because there's people who just don't want to change. They're comfortable in the way they've been doing things. Mm-hmm. As you say our, our new thing is to really serve and communicate to the customers and employees and give the employees a voice, and you have somebody who doesn't embrace that, well, then it's time to go. You're either with us or against us. And if you're against us, let me help you find a job somewhere else where you'll be successful.
1: Right, right. So it could create some turnover.
0: Yeah, so at the Henry Company, um, the, the ter- there's two terminations. A very high person was terminated that reported the CEO and a low finance person was terminated because they wouldn't embrace the, the SERP culture. They admitted it. They, they knew they weren't going to do it. Uh, There's a couple of demotions because people, they just didn't fit the role anymore. And then on my right. team, same thing. So when I when I went to Advanced Auto Parts, I needed to get rid of people. And I get rid of, I, even Elmar. the most important thing, protection actually results in timingness. If you can't do that, you don't belong on my team and mm-hmm. unfortunately I have terminated people or they've terminated themselves because they, they don't believe in it or they, they're not skillful enough to do it. Okay.
1: All right. So so companies have to plan that there might be some shakeup, but it sounds like typically there's a lot more people who embrace it and start to roll with it rather than the people who buck the tide.
0: Yeah, I, I think people are just waiting for something. If your culture is horrible, then they're just sitting there buying their time and getting paid. They're, they're w- wishing things would be different. And once they're different, they sign right up. Mm-hmm. I bet if you went to this aerospace mm-hmm. stuff and said, okay, we're going to change the culture. We want it to be more open. We want people to express themselves. Every employee gets a wall. I would bet half of those walls would be would be uh, decorated or, or put something on them probably within a week or
1: two.
0: Mhm. But people just want permission, and they're afraid to ask for it, and bosses aren't willing to give it. Now, the other thing is, the bosses that's may be afraid to give it because they're afraid if they say, do this, go ahead and, and knock yourself out, then they'll get in trouble from their boss. So that's why it's right. The top. Eric, right. Or an odd thing for you. When I was in Advanced Auto Parts and I had my team together, we used to go out to lunch uh, every month, once a month, and one of my lunches, I brought a caricature art- artist and paid her a couple hundred bucks to make a caricature of the whole team on one big piece of paper, mm-hmm. and we hung it on the wall. And my mm-hmm. boss says to me, I don't think you can have that there. And i like, what do you mean you don't think? Yeah. Like, what does you don't think mean? You either can or you can't. How do I find it if I can? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't think that the uh, leadership wants you to have stuff like that on the wall. They want to have, like, all advanced stuff. But then, if you have all advanced stuff, it's all about the company. It's not about the employees. And the employees right. are running the company. You want the you need things to be about the employees, not just about the the cult of the company. People are individuals. And I ended up uh, sending an email to the CEO uh, Darren and said, "Hey, man, here's a picture of what what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Do you care?" And he's like, "No, that's awesome. I wish more people would do it." And the oh, employees that's people, but right. yeah, with those Darren, see. I mean. Darren's cool dude.
1: I bet the employees loved it.
0: Yeah, we, I mean, it sat up there for a couple of years. Got it on the wall.
1: <laughs> That's great. I think That's I still great. have my so, own
0: personal character from that time period.
1: You cut it out of the big paper?
0: <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> she did a big one, but then she did individual ones.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Okay. I, I'll send I'll send you a picture, because after I left Advance, we had a, a, a dip party at my house that being that uh-huh. you can bring your own chip dip and chips. Okay. And and as a, a gift, the, the team brought me this really nice, expensive bottle of whiskey, and they brought my caricature that I left at the office. But everybody held on to that. And their character so they remembered the moment, they remembered the fun, and they knew that they had permission.
1: So it it definitely meant something to them.
0: It does. It's like thank you letters. to. Nobody writes thank you letters anymore. It drives me nuts. I always handwrite thank you letters. Uh, like little thank you cards, they cost like four bucks at CVS. And then you give it to somebody, uh, like you put in the company mail, let's see, I, I gave some calls on once, And you walk down there a year later and it's still on their wall. Things mm-hmm. like that's meaningful. It adds a little finesse. Right. Same thing if you,
1: had- you write a, uh, if you write a testimonial for a business. Mm-hmm. They'll put it on their website and it'll be there for five years, you know.
0: Yeah. So here's yeah. some interesting factoids for you, which you may want to research. Doug Condon mm-hmm. was the CEO of Campbell Soup's. Super cool dude. Right. Actually, has his own consulting firm, and he was bought into Campbell Soup's because they're about to go belly up. Completely transition the culture, and one of the things that he did was that he would handwrite thank you letters to employees when he got positive compliments about them, and then mm-hmm. Frank. Blake, the CEO of Home Depot, did the same thing every Sunday. He would come in and he would handwrite a thousand, or a, a hundred thank you letter, just really small couple lines, to employees out in the field when he would get compliments from customers via the Internet. And I'm mm-hmm. betting that 90-plus percent of companies that get all these positive comments through the Internet about their employees do nothing with them, and the employees don't know. But at Home Depot mm-hmm. and Campbell, Sue, at least a, a handful of them know. He got a personal letter from the CEO.
1: Nice. Big
0: you probably in fact. saved it forever. You know? And saved it forever. I have here. When I started with Walmart, I was fresh out of college. I sent Bobby Martin, who was the CEO of Walmart International. I met him at the uh, conference I was at in college, and I said, "Hey, Bobby, just let you know, I joined Walmart. Looking forward to it." He and his own little letterhead, a very small, like I don't know, maybe five by three letterhead that Bobby Martin, CEO of International. He sent me in company mail that little thing that says, uh, Welcome to Walmart, Bobby. And I have that in a picture frame 20 years later.
1: Nice. Nice. But
0: it's, it's kind of cool. It's like I got it from the CEO when I just started the company. I Made mean, a lot of people yell, right. so. When I showed it at, at the you know, store that I was in. Mm. One of
1: my clients, his book just came out last month. I remember him telling me a story how he sent a handwritten note to the CEO saying something like, um, um, something like, um, I know you're changing a lot of things and all that, and I just want to let you know I'm me and my team are 100% behind you or something like that, you know. Yep. And anyway, he was getting on the elevator, and the CEO got on, you know, right a second after he did and said, you're Taylor Scott, right? And he said, yeah, and he shook his hand, and he goes, he goes, your handwritten note, he goes, it absolutely made my bid day. He goes, I have it in the top desk drawer of my desk, and every time I start to doubt myself, I take it out and reread it.
0: Awesome. Isn't that amazing? CEOs are people, too? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: People like feedback. They, They like bad feedback, but like good feedback, even better. So yeah, change good feedback is awesome.
1: Of course.
0: And so, that- you know, it was kind of interesting just before you go on to think sure. about it is so very interesting, you spend more time at work than you do at home, right? That's true. Just that yeah. you do. So now I, I don't spend I probably spend four hours a night at home, right? I get home like at six, I go to bed at ten. And and you you've been married for a long time, correct? Yourself. 11 years. Yeah. 11 years, a good long time. And
1: yeah.
0: it's so interesting on the feedback required at home but ignored at work. If I don't tell my wife I love her like five times a day probably, mm-hmm. then she's not happy. But then you're yeah, at work yeah. for so long, I don't think you can tell your employees you love them, but you at least give them feedback that they're doing a good job. So I think when you say to your yeah. wife or your spouse, oh, I love you, it means that they're doing good, that whatever they're doing, keep doing mm-hmm. it.
1: Positive reinforcement.
0: Yeah, goes a long way, and it's really easy okay. to do. Go so write a, a little handwritten thank you card to somebody.
1: By the way, did you have a good anniversary last week?
0: Yeah, pretty painless. We stayed home. We, okay. We were, we're uh, reserving our cash when I do an international trip with the kids. But we only oh. did the old fashioned. You we know, had steak and salad. I had a fancy meal, and then I got her a little okay. gift and some flowers. You
1: got Very nice. me a T-shirt. Very nice. So the next thing on our outline, it says we spend our time training kids to color inside the lines. And then once they get a job, they're told to work outside the lines. In other words, get up, step out of the box, right? Yeah. That's an insane way to train our future workforce, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, really that's true of, like standard education in general, is that you teach people to be good followers, Yep. rather than be innovative and creative and open and all those good things.
0: Yep, and I don't know if it's good for the book or not, but I have a personal opinion of why women are not as many CEOs as men, and I think it's because, and I have two daughters, so I see this. They do collective things, so they do it as a group. They don't do like an individual leadership kind of thing when they're kids. They do dance. They have 20 girls doing the same routine. They do cheerleading. 20 girls are in the same routine. There's not really right. a leader out there. But, you know, what do boys do? They play basketball. Well, they have five people on the court doing five individual things to better the team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, you have to make different decisions. And if you're just following a 50-step process, I'm not saying that the, the girls' sports are are easier. I mean, I, I've seen cheerleaders. I know they get injured really bad. Uh, probably more injured than basketball players because they they fall. They they get a concussion. Mm-hmm. But it but it's all sequential. So then when they they leave school, college, and high school, they've not really had the opportunity to be the individual. They've always mm-hmm. done it in a group. So then they get to the workforce. Now they have to they have to learn how to be an individual. Right. So my my daughter plays soccer for that purpose. Mm-hmm. I don't want her to to be in one of those sequential groups. And I was talking to my oldest, she was here this weekend doing her homework in my office and we were talking about business and I told her how I think schools teach kids bad behaviors. Like they they criticize you if you plagiarize. They say, if you play right. your eyes, oh, that's horrible, terrible, terrible, terrible. Oh, you're going to fail. But what do you do in business? All you do is you go out to different proxy statements and steal bonus plans. Or you could, uh, go to some article and, and you read it and you like take five lines from it. Like, go to your board meeting and say those exact five lines without quoting the author. And then the board thinks that you're a rock star and promotes you. So the things that you're told not to do actually get you promoted when you're in business. Right. right. Remember yeah. we were talking be, before, and I, and we said that that most people don't read after high school. Like 60% never pick up a book. So sure. if most people aren't reading, and they're not reading business books by Mark Sanborn or, or John Maxwell or pick your, your fancy author, and you steal a couple lines from that book and go to a meeting and say them as if they're your ideas, you look good. Why would I quote anybody? But we tell people not to do that. Uh-huh. Really odd.
1: So let's say there's an employee on your team and they're a great person. You can see they have a lot of potential, but, man, they colored inside the lines and they were a good cheerleader on the team and all that. How do you um, encourage them to kind of get outside the box?
0: Same thing. You give them permission to stop doing that. Now, there 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 are by the way, there are great color inside the box box jobs I and mean, there you can go work at, at Walmart be a cashier or even higher paying jobs there's plenty of them where you're doing the same repetitive thing and you get the color inside the box, like a chemistry for example, they make hundreds of thousands of dollars doing that. But if you need people to think differently, you need to give them the permission to to think differently. I think when kids come out of school. And that's why they get they get a bad rap, is that they're they're conditioned for school, they're conditioned for command and control leadership. <laughs> then you bring you bring them in the world where there's not mm-hmm. command and control, and there is coloring outside the lines. Mm-hmm. Help them mm-hmm. out.
1: Do you think there's ways to sort of um, in the hiring process, like sort of screen for people who are sort of more creative and innovative so that you're hiring that kind of person from the get-go? I
0: don't know, that's, a, that's a talent I don't have. It's hiring. I always hire my friends. Um, is there a way? I don't know. I think so, so in the box these days on how your resume looks and everything. Hiring is such a a gamble because everybody goes on to a resume writer and has them write it for them. And they read all the books on how to answer the question. So it's like you're, you're in theater class. And then once a person comes to the job, they're way different than what you thought they'd be like because they interviewed great. Right. Right. So I, I mean for for me, in my, in my world of compensation and benefits and all that stuff, I always have them bring samples of what they've done. Mm-hmm. And then... If if it's like an analyst role, I want to see their Excel. So bring your laptop and show me the most difficult thing you've ever built. And I look at – I'm an expert in Excel, so I do Visual Basic and everything. So I look at the formulas and how they link things and how clean the stuff is. But with Excel and analytics, there is no guidebook. You have to make that up yourself.
1: Right. So really you're asking for sort of – Past examples of creativity and innovation and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And if, I think you should bring that to every interview you go to. Actually, I went to an interview, I think it was last week on Monday. So this recruiter mm-hmm. called me up and I told him what I was doing, that I wasn't going to um, help out or, you know, be a, an employee. I was going to do Total word Sanity. And I said, I'll go and just talk to the person. And this is my buddy. I said, okay, sure, I'll do it. And I went there. I talked to this lady. I gave her the the spiel of what I what I'm doing in my new role, thinking that I could get her as a customer. And I said, I have my briefcase here. I have like lots of examples. Do you want to see any? And she said, No. Mm. I thought that was the worst answer ever. I'm like, How are you? Are you hiring somebody to be your friend or are you're hiring somebody to the job?
1: Right. And then with inter,
0: with interviews, mm. if if you're not getting examples, you're really hiring somebody who fits in your mind. What it looks like. If you start getting Mm. examples, you're hiring somebody who's actually done things and thinks differently.
1: Mm. Okay. All right. Mm. Hiring people who think differently. Hmm. Okay.
0: Which is not bad. Sometimes Uh, you need people to think the same, sometimes you need people to think differently. What? What the role is and what, what you want to happen with your company. If you want everybody to do the exact same thing, make sure they think the same. If you want to change the world, they got to think differently. You can't change the world by doing the same stuff.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. IBM, their uh, tagline used to be just the word think.
0: Yep. I think we talked about that before. Okay. I thought it was Apple, but I guess it's – no, Apple Many... innovate. And, yeah, and uh, IBM think.
1: think. Right. Right. Yeah, think, you know, how's it? Just think
0: think.
1: Yep. So anyway, um, the next thing you have on the outline, Chris, it says you have to manage your situation now or it manages you. For yep. example, live healthy today or your sickness manages you. All right. Correct. Can you give me an example in the workplace about managing situations or they, it will manage you?
0: Sure. If, if uh, if you if you're not leading and uh, managing or leading, I think leading is better. If you're not leading your team and your team's doing things incorrectly, and you're not helping them become better and giving them the guidance and and giving them the per, the permission to think differently, well, then then the pain and suffering you have is only going to get worse. Companies like to grow, so as companies grow, you get more responsibility or you get more data or whatever you're doing, you get more of. And it can be more of the same pain and suffering, so change it
1: right. Are there some steps to managing situations
0: sure uh the, the I mean step one is is easy you identify if there's an issue okay and then step step two is i mean there there's all kinds of of programs and like smart goals and the the uh right. Specific, measurable, measurable thinking,
1: achievable,
0: results-driven, time and time-bound.
1: Yeah.
0: The, the star, the, the situation, the mm-hmm. task, action, result. all these fancy things. But mm-hmm. it, they, I think they complicate it. It's really easy. Identify the situation and then go fix it. How you fix every situation is not going to fit within a smart goal or within a star or whatever demand, dem- dem- mm-hmm. um, six-sigma way that you want to fix it. You involve the right people, get the right communication, provide the permissions, mm-hmm. and go for I think 90% of problems, if you just identify them and talk to the people about them, mm-hmm. those folks that you're talking to can fix their own problems. They don't need you. hmm. So. I mean, how many
1: times have you told
0: a kid to clean their room? Mm-hmm. What's that?
1: I said letting them fix their own problems, but they probably need. Management to kind of point things
0: out to them. Yeah, because sometimes you're you're in a a tunnel and you don't see things outside of it. And it's we talked about this before about the pilot and the co-pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pilot flying the plane. The pilot crashes the plane. Who's in trouble the most? It's the co-pilot because the pilot right. is focusing on flying the plane. The co-pilot is mm-hmm. looking for everything around it that's not going to make mm-hmm. the pilot successful, and the co-pilot is mm-hmm. them successful. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. that's the manager kind of coming in and saying, okay, here's some things you're not looking at, and they say, mm-hmm. oh, I'm sorry, I didn't think about that because I've been focusing on mm-hmm. this.
1: Okay. So um, the next thing is it says to have mm-hmm. sanity, remove the blood suckers from your Pardon. life. I would say the energy mm-hmm. vampires, right? Which may require you to tell the blood sucking CEO that your relationship is mm-hmm.
0: over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the the thing that I think is misstated in and, and most of the world is that employees quit their jobs mm-hmm. employees don't quit their jobs and if you look at the SHRM studies you can probably pull this within the chapters is mm-hmm. most people leave when they're honest because they're managers they don't quit their jobs they fired their manager managers can yeah. fire employees employees mm-hmm. can fire managers and I see a lot of people firing managers. Mm-hmm. And that goes with those people mm-hmm. around you, too. If, if mm-hmm. you're in an environment and you have people on your team that you're working with, it doesn't mean you spend a whole lot of time with them. You know, be respectful, do the job. And if they're holding you back, then fire them from your mind. Get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Just deal with them when you have to and then spend the rest of your time mm-hmm. with those who make you better.
1: So sort of minimize contact is what you're saying. You're not saying yeah. you always need to leave,
0: you know. Correct. And I was I was talking. My youngest is eight, right? And so she's been getting in trouble at school because this kid named Nate. And I told her, like, honey, if a, if you pet a dog and it bites mm-hmm. you, are you going to pet it again? She says, Well, I'll try it again. I'm like, okay, so you try it again and it bites you every time you pet it, it bites you. Would you keep trying to pet the dog? And she's like, "No." And like, then why do you go talk to Nate? Mm-hmm. Every time you deal with him, he bites you. He tattles on you. Get rid of mm-hmm. Nate. Mm-hmm. So, so but that's that's the yeah. same thing in work. Mm-hmm. There's people that bite you, hurt you. They they hurt your career. Mm-hmm. They hurt your livelihood. They hurt your happiness. Get rid of these people. You don't. You're not paid to deal with them. You're well, maybe you are, but most of the time you're not. If they're on your team, you're paid to work with them and make sure you have a a product that adds value to the company where you're not paid to be their friend. Just do your work and move on. Go find better friends, people that make you better. Do
1: Do you think that some people are sort of a junkie for the drama?
0: Yes, there's so many of those people. Huge. Huge drama mm-hmm. people. Drama queens, drama queens. Mm-hmm. I think so women get in trouble a lot because they they're called drama queens and they always pick on women about this. Men I think mm-hmm. are worse. Why is that? Men men are, are secretive about their drama. They drop mm-hmm. like little little uh hints about stuff. And now know women once in a while they come out, they just like blast somebody and mm-hmm. Slap them about stuff, and so yeah, that one person is vocal, and they say, "Oh, she's a drama queen." But with that one mm-hmm. drama queen, you got five guys who are going at mm-hmm. it, and, and the, they're standing next to another guy in the urinal and say, "Yeah, that guy Bob, he's a real idiot. Don't tell me mm-hmm. he said that." So they're they're planting all these drama seeds,
1: like like little hand grenades laying around,
0: little bitty hand grenades here and there. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I think in in my life. I've had more guys say drama-specific mm-hmm. things and little bitty hints than I've had women come into my life or come to my office and give me a a, a whole storyline of drama or drama seeds. Mm-hmm. That's right, I think right, the right. women get I think the women get the the bad rap because you have more women that are vocal and mm-hmm. observed by the population of everybody mm-hmm. than you have the men who are dropping little seeds. And the men are more strategic. They drop the seeds mm-hmm. to the people that matter. Right. right. Know, they get early they come in early to a meeting with the CEO and say, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know we're we're meeting with John today. <laughs> and he's really been struggling a lot. Mm-hmm. And then John walks in and thinks he's all happy and the CEO already has a seed in his mind, oh he's struggling.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But nobody else with the CEO he- heard that.
1: Why do you think men do that more
0: because they're they're mm-hmm. trying to position themselves? men are really into positioning so they get promoted or get to the next level or gain favor from higher up
1: so they're jockeying for position, mm-hmm. and to do that, they have to find a way to kind of disparage or put others down
0: yeah they're they're very subtle about it. they're huge mm-hmm. drama people. Mm-hmm.
1: I think um, my experience is is that when women, you know, like get into some drama, they tell the people who can't really help them with it. Like if mm-hmm. they went directly to the person they had an issue with, they could sit down and talk and figure out how to resolve it, right? But yeah. instead of talking to the person they have an issue with, they'll tell somebody else who has nothing to do with it. Yep. Yeah. Wasting time. That you know? is true.
0: I, well, one interesting example about women that, that and why I think they're less mm-hmm. drama than men is I, ha- I had these two payroll people that were in the same HR mm-hmm. team as me. They had worked together for 20-plus years. One of the payroll ladies mm-hmm. was getting divorced. So she got a divorce from this person. And then when when the divorce, I guess, was supposed to finalize or something, she found out that the payroll person next to her for 20 years, I don't know if that's going on for 20 years, had her ex-husband move in with her, and that they were an item. Oh,
1: my God.
0: (laughs) Talk about painful. Yeah. But but they I, I knew about it, because they came to me and told me what was going on, and that this wouldn't impact their work, but just in case people came to me and said something, this is mm-hmm. what's happening. And, I'm like, thanks for talking. Right. Mm-hmm. So I said nothing about it. And they said nothing about it. And none of the women knew about it. But a couple guys knew about it, and then they came over, and the guy's like, yeah, I don't know about your payroll area. This, this is going to blow up. More guys came to me and talked yeah. to me about it than the women did. And this is the funny yeah. thing, there was substantially more women in that department than men because of HR.
1: Right, right. I mean,
0: the the rumors went through, the rumor mill, and I'm sure everybody talked to each other, but nobody came to me except for guys to talk about it because they right. were positioning, and the women, they're like, Yeah, talking to Moses, about I ain't going to help me out at all, so we'll just have our little discussions and let it go. I'm not going to get in the mid- middle of that drama. Hmm.
1: I'll tell you a funny story. Um, many, many years ago, I worked in an insurance office. Mm-hmm. There were, I think, like 70, 75 people that worked in there. You know, mm-hmm. and with insurance, everybody's all the salespeople that are, like, constantly coming and going because they have meetings with clients mm-hmm. and all kinds of things. So, anyway, I had a great relationship with my boss, and I went through a time where I was going through mm-hmm. a divorce, right? hmm And so I told him, I said, I just want to let you know that I'm going through this. And he goes, okay, I won't tell anyone. So anyway, I'm like, okay, thanks, I appreciate that. So it got to the point where it's like, okay, it's just about final. I need to find a way to communicate it with everyone. So I was in my little office, and I told the guy who was like the biggest gossip in the office. And I said, John, don't tell anybody, right? So three days later, my boss takes me aside and he goes, Denise, he said, I don't know if you know this, but it's like all over the office that you're getting divorced. He goes, I swear I didn't tell us all. And I said, well, I figured as much. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I told John McGonagall. It was a lot easier than telling <laughs> 70 people individually. Oh, yeah. I yeah, you
0: not know. But here, I don't know. I just, I'll, I'll skip this next example. But, yeah, but that's a great example. It's mm-hmm. guys they are positioning and trying to show so they get more power. Mm-hmm. I think, right. and I and I'm not a psychologist. I'm not qualified to do this. I just think women like to talk mm-hmm. to each other and they're they're not in it necessarily to beat up on each other. So to talk.
1: Well, you might not be a psychologist, but you're a, a observant, right?
0: Very observant right. of it's, positioning. It's, it's,
1: It's what you've observed. So that's kind of interesting about the guys are jockeying for position and kind of like, you know, trying to move themselves up where the women are more likely to be just kind of communicating.
0: Yeah. If if I was, oh, I was a leader, but Mm -hmm. let's say I was a CEO and guys were telling me stuff about people that had nothing to do with what the meeting was about or what Mm -hmm. I need to know about the person My mind would probably go to, great their positioning. What do they really want? They want to be seen as like they're the rock star, Mm -hmm. but they're really not.
1: Mm -hmm. Mhm, mhm. But they want to position themselves that way.
0: Yeah. Men position women. I think women just like community. It's 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 Mm -hmm. how they're brought up. As we talked the cheerleading stuff and the dance stuff, they're all together. And girls, I think pack together early in life, more than guys do.
1: Well, women tend to be more relationship-driven, where men are more results-driven.
0: Yeah. So. But that's in the United States, too. It's uh, culturally. Mm -hmm. I've gone to countries where where men have kissed me on the cheek and given me hugs, and that's kind of what they like to do, Mm -hmm. and that's culturally what they do. But in America, we've we've completely criminalized it. I know in some cultures, men kiss on the lips. Been there,
1: mm-hmm. haven't participated, Poland but they do
0: that. yeah, they do that. In mm-hmm. Poland, they did, they they do it in uh, South Korea. Hmm. Feel it be like um, close. You know,
1: I remember when uh, George W. Bush was president, he went to Saudi Arabia for some, you know, whatever conversations about either terrorism or oil or whatever and he's like walking through this garden with the Saudi prince holding his hand because yep. apparently that's culturally what they do over there.
0: They do holding you know? yeah In Saudi, they, you actually have a big separation. I, used was, I was supposed to go to Saudi, but I mm-hmm. thought out of it because I'm, like, I'm not going to go to that crazy place. Um, men are mm-hmm. supposed to be with men. Women are supposed to be with women. The only time right. a woman can be with a man mm-hmm. is if it's their spouse or family member. Otherwise, right. it's not allowed. And then they have the arranged marriage mm-hmm. and all that, that crazy stuff. There's no public display of affection. Mm-hmm. Women walk on one side of the street, men walk on the other side. Families mm-hmm. generally walk on the men's side. Mm-hmm. And we, we had a, a whole compound for Albemarle in Saudi, and it was, mm-hmm. it was really interesting. Then uh, we had another mm-hmm. one in Jordan, which was kind of similar. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. fun stuff fun um, days
1: last, what's that fun days yeah yeah mm-hmm. the last thing you have here on the outline on this topic is it says mm-hmm. if the company captures your soul run your soul yeah. will find you in the near future
0: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. The, the reason I, I had written that is uh you know solera we is going to talk about them and your your soul your your values your ethics are all out the door with Flera. and You're, you're so used you're to getting yelled at and screamed at that everything that you believed in in yourself you you start doubting. And then mm-hmm. when you leave, you really have to go through like a two week or more detox, just to kind of like right. find yourself again. And it took before I started total worth sanity. I, I took a good two weeks off. I just needed to make sure that I was clean. And like, wow, sure. and, and, you know, things, you, you move on, but you really need that that time, and then after you get through your reflection of all the stuff that's going on there, you're like, I'm glad that I, I learned what not to do, and I'm ready to move on, and here's how I'm going to do it. So your soul right. finds you.
1: Right. So you're saying a lot of times that people leave a company with a blood-sucking boss or something like that, it's like they need to gain their self confidence back again.
0: They do. They they gotta do that. They gotta take a break. It's. since seventy five percent or more people leave their bosses. It's probably a bad relationship. The boss is a blood sucker. And they what I what I think is bad is people then go from they give a two week notice. And then they go immediately to the next job. They they take no time off. So they're bringing the blood sucking boss with them and it takes longer to detox if you go immediately to a job. You need know, at least a week or two off just to sit there without your phone vibrating or having any type of responsibility. Go watch Dr. Phil or whatever you want to do just to detox. Right. For for my for my two weeks off, I Ubered. It was fun. I had a great time. Right. I I still Uber about once every 4 or 5 weeks just like do a couple rides just for fun. But it was it was nice just to talk to other people and them not work with you, plus you got paid a little bit of money. But it was nice.
1: Good. So any closing thoughts on finesse and sanity?
0: Finesse and sanity? Everybody has it. Everybody can do it. The only reason that, that you're not providing finesse and sanity to people is because you choose not to. Even if your boss was a blood sucker, yeah. you choose to pass that on. I chose not to. My team still talks to me. Actually, okay. I had a problem recently.
1: All right. Good. Good. So would you say that you're learning anything as a result of these calls? Yeah, it's
0: fun. It's like It's almost like counseling. <laughs>
1: okay good and you said you wanted to ask me a question and you said you wanted me to end the tape for that so I think I'll go ahead and do that right now